0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tribune
1: Audio Network. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies.
2: You do it all, and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Powered by the Quad City Moms Blog, here's your host, Denise Hanitka.
0: Hey, everybody. This is On a Mother Level. I'm Denise Hanitka in the WQAD podcast studio. So glad you joined us for another episode. The most important thing you can do is rate, subscribe, and review. So basically, we want you to help us let people know that we're here, and we want you to share with a friend. That is so important to help us get this baby off the ground Hey, wherever you are in your parenting journey, whether you're brand new or whether you are an old pro, we are so glad that you're here. Don't worry. We can relate and we'll help you take it to a mother level two different parts to the podcast today. First, you're going to hear from Jessica Holst from the Quad City Moms Blog, always a favorite. And then secondly, you're going to meet Devin Schaff from Drew's Faithful Feet, an organization that she and her husband started in honor of the baby boy that they lost. And they're going to get pretty candid about what happened and um, what they want people to learn from their experience. And the interview was pretty hard for me to do, honestly, because Her story is just a difficult one to tell, but she sat across from me brave and strong, and I think there will be a lot of parts of her story that um, might inspire you, and hopefully there's a little something to learn from as well. So you're going to hear from her towards the end of the podcast, um, so it might get a little heavy there. Uh, But we bring it back towards the end. So thanks so much for listening. Please share on a mother level with a friend. Here we go. Jessica's here from the Quad City Moms blog. And we got a lot to talk about. You're finally in town for the first time in how many days? Many, many days. (laughs) Yes, I've been traveling um, between here and Chicago quite a bit.
1: We went to the Renaissance Fair up in Bristol, Wisconsin. I went to see Hamilton, Gosh. Kids with me. My brother and his kids had a birthday party. Their birthdays are all like two weeks apart, so we have a combined birthday party. Which we're going to be talking about birthday parties today. Yeah, we've we got to talk
0: about birthday parties because um, Abrams part or not, Abrams not having a party. Abrams not party is coming up. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about birthday parties. Um, but anywho. So yeah, you had some um you had some crazy statistic about how many days you've been out of town <laughs> with one kid, possibly a dog. Yeah,
1: more than yeah, more than one kid or at least one kid, yeah. <laughs> I took a kid with me everywhere I go.
0: Okay, so I love traveling, but like the packing and unpacking is a total nightmare for me. So, um, how do you feel like you've coped with the packing and the unpacking? I don't <laughs> unpack. <laughs> I really yep.
1: don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, like my suitcase will sit in my room now for Many weeks I have to leave again, in, in, like in the twentieth something, twenty fourth I think of September, and so it'll probably just sit there packed. I love it <laughs> from this trip. Yeah, I, I was it. able to do laundry, so everything in there is clean. So yeah,
0: perfect. <laughs> well, so other than surviving all of this travel, give me a um, give me an on a mother level for this week. Oh my goodness, my on a mother
1: level. Might just bring tears to your eyes. Oh. My 15 year old had to write a paper for art history where she compared two paintings, right? I know. Well, okay. Makes you tear up just wow. thinking. No. Just kidding. Um, she had to compare a painting of Mary and Jesus from the Middle Ages, and then she could compare it to anything she wanted. So she opted to compare it to a Mary Cassatt painting, who is an early 1900s um, painting of family life. She okay. just has a, an amazing appeal to mothers and babies and I wanted to read to you the la- like the title of her essay is A Mother's Love. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, and so she starts off with a quote from Victor Hugo, "A mother's arms are made of tenderness and children sleep soundly in them." Then she compares and contrasts these two paintings all the way through and then in conclusion, She said that the paintings teach us what we need to learn about ourselves, about each other, and about God, and even more so, they teach us that the love of a mother can endure for a thousand years and only grow stronger. Wow. I know. And I was like, someone sees me. (laughs) Oh, that's so,
0: so sweet. Yeah, it was
1: so... I mean, just that that was the topic she chose to talk Mm -hmm. about, and then that she views mothering as so beautiful. I just felt so awesome. Like That's my kid. Did and
0: you need that that day too? I certainly
1: did. Yeah. I mean, I need that
0: every day, honestly. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I feel like mine's a little bit like that. Um, so I did something really bougie this weekend. Okay. It was so bougie. I had my brother and my sister-in-law in town, and so we decided to have Chef Mark from Johnny's Italian Steakhouse yes, come and cook I for us. I saw that on your
1: Instagram story. Yeah, so I wondered what that was all about. Ooh, it was just details. my
0: bougie moment. That's okay. Amazing. So Chef Mark comes on the show a lot, and so he um had offered to do a dinner party for us and I just never had the right occasion. So when my brother and sister-in-law were coming, I just really thought it would be great to do something like that for them. Because then I didn't have to spend their visit thinking about food, making food, cooking food, cleaning up food. Like I just wanted to like be with them, be with their son. Exactly. So I was just like, this will be perfect. Plus, Chef Mark is an unbelievable cook and he's so much fun to be around. So I was really excited about it. So he was going to make some appetizers and stuff for us while the kids were awake. And then we were going to put the kids down and do the full dinner. So as he's preparing the appetizers, he's talking to Abram about the tomatoes and Hey buddy, this one is basil. And Abram's asking these little questions. And it was such like a beautiful little like interaction because I mean, he was there and he was working. So, um, I initially was like, Oh shoot. Like Abram is being kind of annoying, you know? Cause he was just like, no, 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 no. What's that? What, what,
1: hey, he was, being curious. Yes.
0: Being but but three, I mean, yeah. Chef Mark was so amazing and he was just so kind and patient with him. And so then at some point, Chef Mark goes, um, What do you want to be when you grow up? And he pauses for a moment, he looks up at him and he goes, A cooker man like Aww. you. <laughs> So That's amazing. A Cooker Man. Just oh my gosh. So from then on Abram kept saying, "I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, I love you Cooker Man. I love you." And we were like, uh, and everyone was laughing about it and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, like maybe this is awkward that he keeps like shouting his love for the Cooker Man." And um my husband and I spoke about it later and we were like, "You know what? I'll bet you he said I love you to Chef Mark because a, he must hear it a lot. We say right. we love him all the time, yes. constantly, and so he obviously knows that that is something that you say from your heart. It
1: makes people feel yes. good. it makes him feel so, good. Yeah. So it was like,
0: wow, like he is he is acting on a feeling that he has based on the love that he's shown. Yes. So we were like. Rock and roll, our kid yes. feels loved and he yes. wanted someone else to feel loved. That's so amazing. So it's just really, really cool. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And if he does grow up to be a cooker, man, just <laughs> think how amazing your I dinner know, parties will I be know. from
0: henceforth. So That's seriously, awesome. yeah. I want you to think about um the next time you make dinner that you're now the <laughs> cooker lady. <laughs> and um and then it was funny I sent um Chef Mark a picture the next day because Abram had wrapped his blanket around his waist and he said <laughs> I like a cooker man, <laughs> like like an apron. So it was just, oh my gosh, it was so funny. I like a cooker man. That's awesome, just so, so cool. But Honestly, so Chef Mark is unbelievable, and you can go and eat his food any old time at Johnny's Italian Steakhouse, but if he can come to your house and make it right in front of you and just obsess over the little details, it was phenomenal and very bougie.
1: I feel like (laughs) I'd be embarrassed to have a professional chef in my kitchen.
0: Um, Yes, I was worried about that, too, and he reassured me multiple times. Like He was like, your kitchen has great vibes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're such a good liar and a (laughs) delicious cook also. (laughs) <laughs> um, so my, um, my mother flubber for this week isn't that huge, but I do think it's kind of funny. So at some point, Abram just like appeared with his shoes on. Cause we were headed out the door and I was like, yeah, great. Sounds good. And then I looked at him later and then I noticed the shoes were on the wrong feet and I made a mental note. Like I'm going to, I'm going to switch these around blah, blah, blah. And then I never ended up doing it, and then I posted an Instagram photo of him, (laughs) and the shoes were still on the wrong feet, and I was like, oh my gosh. So I let him walk around all afternoon, even though making like several mental notes, like switch his shoes, switch his shoes, switch his shoes. So that's one. Yeah. Um, So yeah, poor kid. And he looked stupid in the Instagram photo, even though that was a cute Instagram photo
1: absolutely not. That's just a kid thing. My, (laughs) my four-year-old still gets your shoes on the wrong feet more often than not. I think they just do it and they're doing it themselves. He had his shoes on. I mean, I think that was a win.
0: I just see, I just feel bad that I wasn't like present enough to be like, okay, now I will stop now and help my child. And instead I was like, I'm doing all my other things. And you know,
1: I understand.
0: And then this one is just kind of funny. This also has to do with shoes. So we were headed out the door yesterday, and I came downstairs because my husband was helping Abram get dressed, and I came downstairs, and I took one look at Abram's feet, and I screamed. My husband had put him in socks and sandals. <laughs> and he goes, what, what? What What happened? What happened? And I was like, look at his feet. He goes, oh, I thought somebody was hurt, or like... <laughs> Something spilled. He's like, it's just his stupid socks. I'm like, why would you do that to him? He's just (laughs) a little boy. He doesn't know any better. He goes, well, won't he need his socks on to go in the bounce house? I was like, yeah, that's why you put him in gym shoes. <laughs> Why would he do that to my sweet little boy?
1: I have no idea. I know. I have no idea. It's like you, you need to look leave at this notes person. The yeah. Do not put with sandals.
0: Oh my gosh! And you know, Abram's just standing there, like, "What's the big problem?" And I'm right. like, "I'll explain it to you when you're older." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your mother flubber?
1: Well, um, so traveling with kids, I don't always um, not as attentive as some might be. Maybe yep. like I trust the kids to pack for themselves and then I checklist them like did you pack underwear did you pack socks do you mm-hmm. have the things you need and they always say yes so sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not we ended up in Chicago with my four-year-old only having one pair of undies the ones that she was wearing so th- we were doing laundry and um, also we ended up at the store with her not wearing any oh and a dress and oh, and a dress. I didn't even notice until takes after it up we got notch. home. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And a dress that's almost a little too small, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. But I didn't notice till she got home, so I really hope no one else did either. Right. And then we also didn't have toothbrushes, which was why we were at the store to begin with. <laughs>
0: because mm-hmm.
1: but you know, like I mean it's not like we're traveling someplace where there's no stores. So you yes. know, worst case scenario I could buy some new undies if I had realized that she only had one pair. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> which I didn't until we were already home from the store and toothbrushes. We bought toothbrushes. I mean, it's all remedied, but yeah, yeah. I just, I hate packing. I hate, I, hate, I it. hate trying to think of all the things. And so I just trust the kids to do it. So whatever they end up with is what they end up with.
0: There is um, a gal <laughs> in the Quad Cities who will pack your suitcase for you Seriously? ahead of trips. That's yes. a job. Yes.
1: That's amazing. Mm-hmm, I know.
0: And so I'm like, at what point is that just like the most necessary service I've ever heard of? Like, you know, so how like how much closet? more bougie can you get than someone who packs your vacation?
1: I'm gonna need a solid definition luggage. of bougie. <laughs> what, is this, what is the definition of bougie? You
0: know, just like like too fancy for your own good. Oh, you know, I don't. Someone's feel like gonna that's tell me that that's fancy. not the definition. I don't know. <laughs> It's just like incredibly fancy and you don't, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I think having someone pack for me would
0: be, mm-hmm. I, I don't
1: necessarily need someone to do it for me. I just need like a buddy there to make yeah. sure I do it.
0: Yeah. Her name is, or her company is called Simply Stephanie. She's helping oh. me with a closet edit also. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she's going to come on the yeah. podcast next week. So you'll have to listen for her. I absolutely yes. will.
1: She, she's, um, connected with me on Instagram. Yeah. yeah.
0: She is, um, dramatically changing my life. As we speak.
1: That's awesome.
0: So shout out, Stephanie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So today we're going to get into some... into some news headlines. All right. And so I got a bunch for you. We're going to start with a real simple one because I just think this one's funny and I feel like it's very on a mother level. Ready? Yes. Governor intervenes to let New Hampshire woman keep her potty humor license plate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> for 15 years, she's had the potty, or the potty, the license plate pb 4 before P-B-4-U-G-O. P-B-4-U-Go. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's, that's not brilliant. every mom's yeah. last words, right. pee before you go, right? we got a potty, get on the potty, I'm not stopping at Costco, pee before you go. So at some point, the New Hampshire Division of Motor Vehicles <laughs> recalled the license plate due to sexual or excretory acts or functions. After and 15 years. After 15 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there is a division who is reviewing these and <laughs> I imagine it was like a nice, a nice lady named Deborah. for 15 years. She approved this license plate and then Deborah moved on to a new job and here comes some guy named Bernard and he takes one look at it and he's like, absolutely not. That license plate is not appropriate. <laughs> Send her one of those letters. <laughs> and so guess what happened? Um, New Hampshire governor Chris Sununumu, There's like a lot of ends. Sununu, Sununu. Hmm. Um okay, so the New Hampshire governor, I'm not a news person. Heard about <laughs> heard about her plight from a friend and used his executive privileges to overturn the DMV ruling. <clears throat> Upon this being brought to my attention, I reached out to the Division of Motor Vehicles, and I strongly urged them to allow Wendy to keep her license plate. I recently left a message on her phone to share the good news that her plate will not be recalled. (laughs) God, (laughs) big things are happening in government. Big things.
1: I can't even imagine that that's someone's job. I like, know. it's my job to pr- approve and mm-hmm. disapprove all of these license plates.
0: That's right. <laughs> imagine the power you would hold. <laughs> so powerful. Oh,
1: Bernard. <laughs> Get into humor.
0: I know. Seriously, some somebody who's crotchety and someone who's not a mom yeah. was in there and was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> "That <laughs> references urine." <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's excretory business in
0: excretory there excretory acts give me a break <laughs> pee before you go I'm pretty excited about this next article that you want to talk about okay so the this is um this is from neworleansmom.com this is a sister site
1: right so the quad city moms blog we haven't converted yet but we're eventually going to be quad cities moms we're under the oh, cool. umbrella network of um city moms connect collective city moms collective. Gotcha. And so New Orleans is one of our sister sites.
0: So, um, I always click on the mom hacks articles and then you open it up and it's always like, well, okay, I already knew that. Yeah, Thanks for that. the idea. Mm-hmm. You know? So when I clicked on unconventional mom hacks and then these eight tips came up, I was like, oh girl, Jennifer Gonzalez, you are onto some stuff. So here's what she, um, here are some of her tips. Number one, getting dressed the night before. She says, okay, this sounds crazy, but I dress my kids in their clothes for school or daycare. Mornings used to be painfully slow, and it would take my son 15 minutes to get a leg into his shorts. So eliminating this every morning gets everybody out the door faster. Daycare clothes and comfortable play clothes are the same thing anyways, so no kids were ever uncomfortable.
1: Right. My daughter does this.
0: Really? I did
1: not know, like... I just was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But she showers, she gets dressed in her clothes for the next day, and she wears it to bed. She's 13. Okay. Like, whatever. Just do it your own way. And then when I read this article, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. My kid already figured that out at the age of... It's brilliant. 11 or 12, whenever she did. Yeah.
0: I really love it. Because yeah. some people say like to sleep in your workout clothes. So then you get up in the right. morning, and then you immediately work out. Mm-hmm. So I have not considered doing that.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work for me either. I have tried it, but it doesn't work.
0: Um, so I do do this for my infant, um, but I didn't do this for a toddler. When you have a toddler potty training, you double make the bed. So you have multiple sets of mattress covers and bed sheets so that one gets wet, and then you take off yeah. the layers. I
1: feel like that's pretty genius. Yeah,
0: that's a pretty good yeah, one. I never thought to do it with a toddler, though.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, aren't, if they still have a night diaper... Yeah. You don't really need to do it. But But eventually, yeah. Yeah. Then so someone
0: wakes up with an accident. Maybe someone wakes up and pukes. Mm -hmm. Get rid of that top layer. Everybody goes right back to bed.
1: And sometimes another mom hack would be just take everything off and throw a towel down. (laughs) 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 I I mean, I know people who have done that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's great. Um, Number three, a urinal for the car. Okay, so if you did not pee before you go, you can purchase a small capped urinal from Amazon, the kind that they use for urine samples, so that they can use the handy tool when you are stuck in traffic. Yes. Is this a thing?
1: Um, well, I don't know about the well, we don't have the That's traffic. That's the first time that I ever heard that. Yeah. yeah. We don't have the traffic here in the Quad Cities either, but um, I have a friend who they drive, they have four girls. They drive to Pittsburgh at least once a year because that's where her family's from. And they use, now, how's this for Clever? Oh, God. They use an ice cream bucket with a lid.
0: Okay. One of
1: those big ice cream buckets. Uh-huh. She puts a diaper inside of it. And then the kids just go in the. Pot, you know, the little yeah, potty. Yeah. And the diaper c- absorbs everything. Yeah. And then they don't have to, like they could just pull over to the side of the interstate, they get unbuckled, they pee, then they keep going. Oh, I love it. And then they put the lid back on. I love yeah, it. And so there's no liquid to slosh around.
0: Yeah. And then you can get rid diaper. of that ice cream bucket yeah. at the end of the trip and right. just be done with it.
1: Right. Isn't that genius? That's no really no Amazon good. order needed. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's, That'll save you six ninety nine. My girl Karen. <laughs> and a girl Karen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who doesn't um, even listen to this podcast. I'll add.
0: Karen. I know. Unbelievable. I
1: know. She hasn't had time.
0: Mm-hmm. Karen. <laughs> That's so Karen. <laughs> this one, I love, love, love. Okay? <laughs> Taking your first day of school pictures the day before. Yes, I know. Why wouldn't anyone think of this? This is genius. I, I don't know either. Okay, this hack makes me feel a little dishonest, she writes, especially when I post the picture on social media. But... Um, you get the cute handmade sign out, you dress everybody up in their clothes, you make the signs, you take the pictures. I'm guaranteed to get happy, smiling faces because we're not in a rush.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you've got, that's something you've got to do. That's something you've absolutely got to do. I
1: want Jennifer to come be friends with us.
0: Yeah. Jennifer is, Jennifer is a smart, smart lady and I admire her. Yes. Very much. Jennifer Gonzalez. Um, so this one is also interesting. I don't have one of these, but maybe it's worth looking into, um, tiling the runner. She calls it my second child's a runner. So to reduce my anxiety, I hook my key tile, that key finder app Mm. to his back belt loop.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's just amazing. If I had known about that, like I would have not had so much fear. Cause remember how we talked about losing kids?
0: Exactly. How many
1: times I've lost a kid.
0: <laughs> I never
1: thought about tiling my kids. Yeah. I think the tile. I just brilliant.
0: I mean, yeah. yeah. And you're not that weird parent with the monkey backpack the leash, leash thing. Right. Sorry if you are. I think it's weird. <laughs> I do. I think it's weird.
1: Well, you got to keep track of them somehow. I
0: know. I know. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. No judgment. No, not at all. Judgment free zone. Okay. Um, This is... Uh, might actually make you angry because it feels completely unattainable here, okay? This popular parenting trend in the Netherlands reveals a key to raising the world's happiest kids, okay? Dutch kids are known as the happiest in the world. Part of the reason why, according to this article, is because shorter work weeks, especially for fathers, means more time at home and higher involvement in shared parenting duties, Okay, so years ago, when the full-time work week was reduced to 36 hours in the Netherlands to combat unemployment, the government compensated those who had been working 40 hours, 9 to 5, by giving them extra vacation half a day a week or once every two weeks, okay? So this time is frequently used by fathers as their papa dog, which literally translates to daddy day. So yeah, so at least half of young dads in the Netherlands say they take a day off at least one day a week to be home and to be with their kids. I love it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, does that not feel completely unattainable though? Yeah. I mean, it just feels like, well.
1: Throw that out the window because we don't have that in America.
0: But I do think, I mean, I think dads, dads are so crucial. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like as, as awesome as moms are, I think dads have just that different role in a kid's life and yes. um I, that's one thing that I feel really fortunate about with my schedule is that my husband has the kids by himself every single night and I just I just think it's so beneficial for them to rely on both of us you know the yes. way that we do yes I agree so I think it's really cool and um this this line in the article I highlighted, it says in America, parenting is seen as a private rather than communal concern. You've taken the decision to have children, your choice, deal with it. In the Netherlands, it's something for which the whole society takes responsibility.
1: Yeah. I love that. I mean, I how long it would take me to speak Dutch
0: so I could move. I, th- I think you could really buckle down, get yourself a Rosetta stone <laughs> and learn some <laughs> Dutch. You already know one Dutch word. That's true, Papa Dog. Papa Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Dog. I love it. Yeah, so I guess maybe the takeaway is to, um, to think about how we can spend more time with our kids because I know that um, hours in the day are limitless. Mm-hmm. There are so many hours in the day.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, <sighs> can I make a confession?
0: Yes, please.
1: So when I feel stressed, I actually go to real tea sites in the Netherlands. And look at houses. Really, (laughs) I really do. Oh my gosh! There's just something about everything Dutch that really appeals to me. Talk to me. They have houses that are just a different design than us. The neighborhoods look different. I've found a house where there's a little town in the Netherlands where there aren't any cars. They only allow boats. (gasps) Yeah, kind of like the Venice of Netherlands. I mean, you have to walk across bridges. People walk and bike there. Even in the winter, yeah. it's so common to see people outside. And here, when you're driving down most of the streets, you barely ever see anyone out on the street. And right. I I don't know if that's just the Quad Cities, just the design of American towns, but I love that feel that you can get from the Netherlands. And so, yeah, I mean, I look at realty sites and think about these houses, and I have no idea the
0: conversions. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so are they legitimately, like, written in Dutch and everything? Well, yeah, but you can use Google Translate and kind of figure it out. I mean, oh my English gosh. is
1: kind of like the nas- the international language for business. So. Okay, so
0: now I want to dive deeper into that. So you, um, <laughs> do you go all like house hunters when you look at this listing? Like, that paint color is not going to work for me. <laughs> oh, no.
1: No, I don't. I just, I just think about, okay, so where would everyone sleep? I have six kids. Okay. So that's something you have to take into consideration. Do they have, to, like,
0: very small houses there?
1: Most of them are yeah. a lot smaller. Like, everything in Europe, it seems like, is smaller. Like, I have friends who are expats, and they have, like, a half size refrigerator. People go shopping almost every day. Yeah. It's just a different style of living. Yeah. Well, because you pass the market on the way home yeah. and you
0: grab your fresh produce. And you're and walking everywhere and you yeah. just
1: carry what you need for that day. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we have two deep freezes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I know. pretty much every Midwesterner, I mean, are you really an Iowan if
0: you don't have a garage fridge? I know. Yeah. We have a garage fridge and we have a deep freeze.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of weird like we ho- like that it's kind of like that whole private thing mm-hmm. again like in the, the Netherlands there's so much more of a community feel. Yeah. Everybody like the market is where you talk to people. You yeah. see your neighbors face to face. I mean, if you talk to somebody in the grocery store here, they're like
0: <gasps> I know. You'd be the weirdo. <laughs> You'd be the weirdo. I still do it. Yeah. Um, okay. So my brother and sister-in-law, you know, were in town and so they are from near the Fort Lauderdale area. So while they were in town, this whole hurricane Dorian is like bearing down on their home right now. And so at some point my husband asked them like, okay, so like, what do you have in your house at all times to be prepared for a hurricane? Like, what do you, like, what do you stockpile? And they were like, nothing. Everyone just goes to Costco the day before the storm and like gets all their stuff. Oh, how yeah. interesting. Yeah, because yeah. think about it. If we had hurricanes and we lost power, our that everything in that deep freeze would be toast. Yes, you know what I mean? So they're true. just like, nope, we're not trying to we're not trying to keep a bunch of perishable stuff and be ready for the storm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Good news though. It looks like Dorian's turning, so it's not going to, it's not going to hit them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was so crazy because for the like four days that they were at our house, they were watching the storm and, you know, like, um, they had family down there helping them like get the house ready and everything, but yeah. yeah. So kind of a nerve wracking couple of days and then for everything to be safe, which is obviously a good thing, but like, you know, it'd just be crazy. Cause It's just so different here, yeah. You know, yeah, we have we snow have, days, like, but yeah, we no have snow hurricane. days and we have like tornado, but we know like what a half hour in advance, maybe. Yeah, and a tornado you know? is
1: so much more of a small, localized yeah. thing, yeah. Like, yeah. It can go a block away from you and not damage your house at all. Yeah, but a hurricane isn't like that,
0: yeah. Yeah. So the last um, article that I wanted to talk about, um, you particularly enjoy the title. I do. It's an opinion piece. It was posted on NBC News. It says Back away from the balloons. Kids' birthday parties are out of control. So here's my thing about birthdays. Abram is about to turn three in two weeks. And so this is the first year that we're actually like kind of getting him jacked up about his birthday. Even though I have actually no literal plans. Like I have not a single plan. I don't see myself as the person who has birthday parties for my kids. I don't know why. I just don't really care. Like is that weird?
1: No. I think that's good. You're the one who did all the work anyway. All yeah. I did was show up.
0: All I really want to do. We'll
1: celebrate your birthday. Day. Birthday.
0: Yeah. Day. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. So all I really want to do, and this is all I've really done for the past two birthdays for him is I'm big on the cake. Yeah. I like like a big, maybe not even necessarily big, but like a cute theme and like a fancy cake. Yeah. So this year he's going to have some dinosaurs on his cake because his little like cake theme is going to be three wrecks. You know, because he really likes dinosaurs. That's adorable. Yeah, so I got him a little t-shirt that three says three Rex," And then I'm going to get him um, some little dinosaurs to put on top of his dinosaur cake. Yeah. And um, I think it's going to be funny because last year he had trucks on his cake. And he sat there and sobbed because he did not want to wait, like, through the singing of the happy birthday to grab those trucks <laughs> off of his cake. So I'm hoping for a two-peat this year that he's going to be so excited about the dinosaurs on his cake so well, and
1: he's older his understanding yeah. of what they're yeah. uh, what that's all about so is what I'm
0: thinking. saying is is that I want him to cry on his birthday <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I put toys he can't play with yes on his that's cake. right that's <laughs> what I would like to happen Because
0: <laughs> I'm sick I'm no, sick read that. okay about the money so okay so here's the thing so I'm saying I don't really want to do the birthday party mm-hmm. thing I like don't really mm-hmm. understand it totally and then I read this article okay a recent Baby Center poll show 11% of parents spend more than $500 on their baby's first birthday. A quarter spend between 200 and 500
1: On the baby's first birthday, first who will birthday. never
0: remember this who party. Who will never remember, that's right. According to one survey, the average parent in the UK spends 28000 on a child's birthdays through age 21.
1: More than $1,000 a year.
0: That's bonkers. More For than a literal day dollars. that everybody gets every single year. Yeah. More that's than crazy. Now, a year. you have six children.
1: I have six children. So that would make it be more than $6,000 a year. I mean, that's like a private school education. Or I mean, that's crazy. It's like a trip to Charleston or somewhere, you know, $6,000. We could we could do a lot with six thousand dollars if I was actually going to spend a thousand dollars a kid on their birthday, right? which I don't. Yeah.
0: So now imagine at that first birthday party, you put that thousand dollars in like a whatever account. Oh
1: yeah. Then what
0: happens? You know.
1: That would be smart. I'd rather travel than say. I for know.
0: College, well, we have been we have been thinking about how can we make birthdays because I mean our kid has everything he needs. Yeah. And anything I want to get for him, I will get for him. Yep. So we've been talking about like how to do experiences. Yes. You know. That's what we do. So, uh, like, tell me about the most recent birthday experience you guys did.
1: Well, the Ren Fair. Okay. My son turned nine on the twenty fourth. And we went up to the Ren Fair. I got them costumes, so I did spend a little bit of money. So they looked rena- Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. And the Bristol your
0: costumes re- were legit.
1: They were amazing, yeah. right? Uh-huh. I know that was those were from Amazon. Mine I made a couple of years ago when we went to the Renaissance wow. Fair a different time. Yeah, and um, yeah, we had a great time. We spent time together. We made memories. We didn't spend that much money. We. It, it was just beautiful, and he had been excited about going. You know, we'd been talking about the Renaissance Fair for a long time, and it was, it was really neat. And the Renaissance yeah. Fair that's in Wisconsin, in Bristol, Wisconsin, is the only Renaissance Fair in the entire country that's like a permanent structure. Oh, wow. So a lot of them, like, say, Kansas City, they're there for four weekends, but it's just a big field, and they set up tents and this kind of thing. This one is actually like a city, and so you can go, yeah
0: very cool for
1: my son's birthday my other so it's got to be like huge yeah it's pretty huge and it's, it's amazing like you could really go for all day on saturday and all day on sunday and still not see everything because there's just so much to look at there's so many amazing acts you can't see them all at the same time there's rides which are extra there's Lots and lots and lots of shops. If you want to buy some chain mail, that's the <laughs> place to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have not yet invested in chain mail, but I do love you know, Renaissance yeah. Fairs because they're they're like so accepting of everyone, you know? I mean, you can be like the geekiest person and be hardcore, whatever your geekiness is, and they love you there. Yeah. They have special weekends for things like that too. Like they have, I mean, you can be like the biggest fanciest renaissance costume and they love you there it doesn't matter yeah i mean renaissance fairs are for everyone it just feels it just feels good there oh it's a happy place it's a happy place yeah for another one of my son's birthdays he turned 11 um we went he wanted to go to a baseball game so we got um tickets from the river bandits permar was having a safety night that night actually and it worked out to get discounted tickets And then, um, the next day we went up to my friend's cabin on the river and just went tubing. And that's what we did for his birthday. I love that. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were just simple things, but just spending time together, it just meant a lot to
0: them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I really think that's, that's awesome. And I love big birthday parties. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not in a place right now where I can do that anymore. Yeah. We used to do a family one. I love that.
0: So, um, I love this art, this, um, paragraph in the article it says nowhere in the parenting books does it say inviting 30 plus kids to a party will result in a happier more well-adjusted child and most of your kids classmates the ones who can't quite identify your child when their parents ask so who is carter again will probably never even know what happened without them but it's true it's almost like you have to remember like so who is this that you're doing this for are you doing this for your kid are you doing it for you or are you doing it for the gramme
1: yeah, I think it's definitely something that people want to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you have to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and talk to your child about what they want. My sister has a really big 15th birthday party for her daughters when they're turning 15. They have a dance and they have... Oh, cool. Um, everybody dresses up in formals and, and um, that's what they want to do. And so I was talking to my oldest about what she wanted to do. We weren't going to celebrate her 15th birthday, but her 16th. So that's coming up next summer. Like, what do you want to do for your 16th birthday? And she said that she doesn't really want to have a big party. She wants to just have, um, like a week or a weekend, a week if possible away where we just like hang out and do experiential type stuff and yeah. not have to worry about any of the stressors from home. I thought that was really cool. And it's also good that you listen to your child, you know, yes. I mean, at one, obviously, you can't listen to your child, have their preferences, but mm-hmm. you've got to figure out what your kid really wants, cause right. I think, isn't it something like 70% of kids are introverts anyway? And women right, really and they don't want even want the attention. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. All you have to do is watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And in the early seasons, Taylor is having these huge like $25,000 birthday parties for her daughter, and her daughter is so uncomfortable during the whole party because she doesn't want it. She doesn't want a huge Mad Hatter tea party, but mom does. Oh. So, you know.
1: That's sad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Real, Real Housewives. Housewives. <laughs> life lessons can be learned by watching the late Real Housewives. What not to do. That's right. <laughs> I <think> it's important. <laughs> it's important stuff. Although
1: I do think life could be improved if we walked around with wine all the time. I actually 100%. Thought about texting you and seeing if you wanted a cocktail <laughs> before we did it, our podcast.
0: You know what was weird podcast. and I kind of want to know the story of this? When I came into the podcast studio today, there was like a half finished Bud Light in here. <laughs> <laughs> there was. <laughs> So I want to know who here at the station is having like some <laughs> booze-filled um, podcast party because I'd like to be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jessica, we've covered, the, um, we've covered the news headlines of the day. What's on the agenda for the rest of your day?
1: Well, for the rest of the day, nothing. Doing a little grocery pickup, yeah. which is a life changer, not having to go to the grocery store anymore. But tomorrow is kind of a big deal for you, right? Aren't you doing an Instagram takeover for the Quad City Moms I Mom am, blog? Yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, by the time you hear this podcast, it will have been over. But... Oh, but
1: I save it in the highlights. Okay. Yeah. So people can go see your ins and outs all the time and. The Beauty Blender searches, the closet redo, (laughs) whatever it is you want to share with us.
0: So you know what? Um, Last week I had um, my friend Natasha Funderburk on and after we were done recording, she said, I have a tiny little gift for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. And she was like, it's really small. It's so small. Like it's going to be dumb. Like it's really small. And I'm like, thank you. I'm so excited. What is it? And she hands me a Beauty Blender. Woo! it yes. was so awesome yes. it was really really cool she knows the pain yeah. and you have
1: to hide that like in a drawer somewhere yes. far where Abram cannot yes. get it but you know where it is
0: exactly yes. <laughs> so that was really cool That, that is was really, really cool super awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so
1: we have a, on our Instagram stories every Wednesday yes. we do a winning women Wednesday so any mom in the Quad Cities can participate in this you just need to email me at jessica at quadcitymomsblog.com and you can be a part of it too. We just let you post in our Instagram stories and people follow you around. Like yeah. it satisfies that need of that we all want to know is like, how do they actually look when they wake up in the morning? Mm-hmm. Or how hard is it to really get out the door? Or what do they do? Where do they have their coffee? All of those questions people yeah. answer in our stories. We have... Several of them now in our highlights, and we just keep doing more. They're so great; people love them.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'm yeah so excited and it's I um be you yeah no, I like that they all are extremely real. Yeah. Like, there's it's not like a produced production, no. and everyone's just going through their day. Yeah, literally, like from the moment they wake up yep. until they go to bed. Yeah, yeah. One of my it's really cool. was like...
1: Oh, I'm coloring my hair. Got to get rid of the sparkles. (laughs) You know, I mean, they show everything, you know.
0: Yeah. So I will be doing tomorrow. And um, on top of doing that tomorrow, I'm going to be shooting a story with the triplet mom. Yay! Yes. So I'm going to get to catch up with Katie. So she will be part of the Instagram takeover. That's going to be great. So it'll be a day in my life slash a few hours that I spend with Katie. So it'll be be awesome. Yeah.
1: And the Quad City Moms Block has an event coming up. Tell us. September twenty second. It's called Mm -hmm. Sunday Fun Day. So for twenty dollars and if you sign up with a friend you get a discount. For twenty dollars you get appetizers, bottomless mimosas. It's Sunday Fun Day at the J Bar. Um, the Sarah from crafty plus wife is going to be there selling her sassy wares. She's got lots of fun things for fall. She's got home decor. She makes it all. It's here local in the quad cities. And we're going to introduce you to new people. You'll bring a friend and you guys can make new friends. It's the whole goal is just connecting moms here in the quad cities. Sunday fun day. It's in our events on the Facebook page.
0: And J bar is a great place for that. Yeah, that's awesome. We're going to be out on the
1: patio if the weather's nice. <laughs> you could have your
0: stylist help you. Yes. Okay, Stephanie, ring, ring. <laughs> I'll be calling you. Seriously, I, I sound really, really annoying and bougie. Stylist. <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody to tell you what to wear. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah. Have a welcome. good day. Thank you. Devin Schaff is in the podcast studio with me today. Thanks so much for being with us. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Devin is with Drew's Faithful Feet, an organization that you and your husband started, and we're going to dive into all of that, but I want people to get to
2: know you first. Tell me a little bit about your family. Sure. So I am the mom to five kiddos, three that are here on earth and two in heaven. So I have Hayden, who is 11. He's in sixth grade. Reese is um, eight. She is in third grade, and Connor is almost seven. Oh my gosh. I'm like trying to think of all my kids and the ages here. So he is in first grade. And then we have Drew and Owen who are in heaven.
0: So, um, earlier this weekend, I was talking with my family and we all were talking about how you, you stand there and you do the calculations on your kids' ages. You still sometimes do the calculations on their name. Like, okay, the first one I know is Abram. Okay. The second one, that's like universal momness. Don't I you know think?
2: it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> and then it's like you get to the point where you're like, well, they're almost seven, but you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're turning seven next month, and whatever. So yes, yes. I and know. then you do
0: all it's the calendar <laughs> math for everybody, like, oh, it's in two weeks. And he's turning three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and right. Then you realize that the other person has walked away.
2: Yes, um. that is so true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so to be honest with you, I wasn't sure um, how to address your two little babies in heaven. I wasn't sure what the right way to phrase it was is that something common people feel?
2: Yeah, 100%. So um, we actually lost Drew in 2010. So um, for, you know, this amount of time, I've often thought to myself, like, how do I, when people ask me, you know, how many kids do you have? um, What's the right way? And, you know, over the course of the years, I just have decided there is no right or wrong way. And for me, at least, if it totally depends on the scenario. So, and it depends on how quickly I get to know someone. If I'm just at the grocery store and someone's like, oh, how many kids do you have? You know, usually I'm like three. But it just, you can sense the vibe, or at least I can sense this vibe like, oh, these people need to know about Drew and Owen. Yeah. And so um, I think for a while I felt like I avoided it because I didn't want to always make it this big, giant conversation. But um, yeah, now that's kind of my the term I've coined, you know, three kiddos here and two in heaven. So, so I
0: met you, would that have been maybe three, four years ago now? It was at a little mom's brunch at a mutual friend's house. And, um, I remember we just had a pretty lighthearted conversation. It was just over coffee. It was a very easy conversation. And then, so afterwards we became friends on Facebook and, um, people are going to hear your story in just a moment, but I felt when I, when I learned more about you, I felt guilty that I didn't know I didn't know the heartache that you felt. I felt guilty that we had this lighthearted conversation when you have this whole, you've had so many experiences that have changed you.
2: Yeah. So, um, to that, I guess I would respond with like, I don't ever want anyone to feel guilty. I mean, obviously we all have our own feelings and, um, things like that, but I, yeah. It's like this fine balance. It's like this dance between, you know, how much do you share in that first, like, hi, my name is Devin and I lost two babies. Like, you know, that's right, just, right, but then of at course. the same time, there, um, is a point, And I've talked to other moms about this as well, who have experienced similar things. Like they are a part of you, you know, and it's, y- you don't want it to be every single conversation, but mm-hmm. at the same time, when you don't tell people, you feel almost like you're hiding something. Sure. You know, like yeah. I have, you know, the story that if in the thing too, is that this time of year, I have talk about them a lot more. So if you meet me in January, you might not know about Drew and Owen, but by September, you'll figure, <laughs> you'll figure it out usually if I haven't told you by then. Okay. So, so
0: um, Drew, was born in 2010. So it has been already nine years since he passed. Can you tell me a little bit about his life?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Drew was born on June 23rd. And so just the day before our anniversary and he was late. So I remember just like all I wanted to do was have this baby. And I really just didn't want him to come on our anniversary. (laughs) I kind of wanted to keep that separate, which obviously I wouldn't have cared, but you know how that is. And so, um, yes, he was born on June 23rd and, um, pretty much made a grand appearance. I was, um, induced during the middle of a storm you know, one of those like early summer storms where they had the, the shades drawn and it was a thunderstorm morning and, um, but it was just so peaceful and I had every intention of having an epidural and the nurse came in and was like, um, I'm so sorry, but it is too late. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, um, here we go. You know? And so, and he, he's your second baby. So you had a
0: two-year-old at home at this time. Absolutely. Okay.
2: Yep. And so, um, I, I'll never forget the nurse right by my side, right after he was born. And she was like, oh my gosh, you did so good. You could come back and do this again next year. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I was thinking, oh, I hope not. And yeah. the reality is, and you guys will hear more about this, but I did, you know, I did, I was back there a year later. That really
0: just gave me goosebumps a little bit.
2: Yeah, I know it really is. And so, um, about, uh, let's see 10 days into his life. We, well, actually let me rewind a little bit. Do you really want to know Like, his full 14-day life. Okay, I do, yes. So, um, I... And this was, you know... In 2010, people were really just starting to get into, like, infant photography. Like, really cool infant photography. And I had this um, vision of wanting his room decorated in, like, a vintage airplane theme with this just, like, big canvas over his crib. And I had this image of him, like, laying on the wing of a vintage airplane. And... I actually had someone that I knew who could kind of hook me up. And when I called him, he just said, like, are you crazy? What are you thinking here? I'm like, just just hear me out. Let's just try it. And my um, photographer, she was open to the idea, but I think kind of worried, like, what are we doing here? And um, so we get to the airport, this little airport, and um, I find the one that was just exactly how I envisioned it. And we got captured the most gorgeous picture of him on this airplane. And really the wing was not far off the ground at all. So it wasn't like there was anything right. dangerous or anything about it. But so
0: describe the plane for me. Like I'm picturing like, like Orville Wright style plane. Yes, yeah, so like very vintage yellow,
2: um, vintage, like a world war II rec- replica, like the yellow okay, with the okay. star on the side. And so, um, it ended up just Turning out absolutely beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So we have these pictures taken, and then um, in the midst of it, our church was putting on a 5K race for the very first time. And I'm not a huge runner. And so I'm like, I'll be in charge of food. So I was that's um, my kind of girl, right? I, I won't know. run, but I'll bring food. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I can organize that. And so I had him with me in my sling. And, you know, it was the first time a lot of people had a chance to meet him. And, um, the race was called the faithful feet. So that was on a Saturday fast forward to the following Saturday. And, um, my photographer dropped off the CD with the pictures mm-hmm. and, I remember watching my husband and my two-year-old outside playing that afternoon. It was like a beautiful summer day and just thinking I should really go out there and play with them. But I just can't stop staring at these pictures. Like they're just so beautiful. And Drew was laying right next to me. And um, it was just one of those times where you're just like kind of caught up in the moment. And so um, later that evening we went on to a cookout. And so I can keep talking or if you want to stop me no, and my story, no, you know, okay. so we go to a cookout and it was just in our neighborhood and, um, I knew I was ready to go home and my two-year-old was actually at our in-laws for the night. So I left with Drew and, uh, my husband stayed for a little bit and what seemed like a couple hours, truly, I just, I kept nursing him. I would get him to fall asleep. I'd put him back in his crib and then he would startle start crying. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I started nursing him again, he was totally fine. And so after doing that for a while, I sent my husband a text and just said, Hey, you know, I cannot get drew to sleep. Can you please come home? I really need to get some sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, sure. You know, comes home right away, walks into our room. I hand drew over. And, um, to be totally honest, I really almost said to him that night, just don't fall asleep with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the reason for that is I had heard of a story of a dad falling asleep with a baby in a recliner and the baby shifted and suffocated and whatever, for whatever reason, I had this thought to say that that night. And the thing that held me back was I had already kind of nagged at him earlier in the day about other little things. And I just thought, I don't want to be like that nagging wife. Like I, you know, he's got it, like he's good. And so, you know, put my phone down. I almost set my alarm for my phone, just double check. And, but I kept just talking myself out Mm -hmm. of it, you know, it's he's like, fine. Yeah. And so anyway, um, I, the next morning, really early in the morning, I woke up to my husband just really, really upset. And, um, I ran out to see what had happened and over the night he had fallen asleep with Drew on our couch and Drew shifted and suffocated.
0: Um, I'm, I'm going to take over here because what you wrote on your blog I think is, it, it was so extremely powerful and I think it's going to sum, sum up what the next couple of moments, hours were like for you. The days and weeks after Drew's death are so cloudy. I was anxious, frightened, and continually preoccupied. The questions were relentless. What could I have done differently? Was it my fault? What is going to happen to my marriage? How could I protect my living son? I felt like a zombie, lost in a world so unfamiliar. My worst nightmare had come true and was on repeat in my mind. The fear was overwhelming." I desperately needed someone to coach me through the next year. I wanted someone to tell me when it would be okay to start trying for another baby. I wanted to know how to explain the cemetery to our intuitive two-year-old. I wanted to know when the extreme feeling of pain would lighten. Those two paragraphs, I think, are so powerful because I think they encapsulate, I guess, what what I... feel like I would have felt too in that moment even though it would be impossible for me to speculate about that but I mean what so what what did happen next what, what what do you do
2: next yeah so um you know there were times when I just well I I do feel like I need to say this I yeah. from the very beginning I one hundred percent. Never blamed my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I had fallen asleep with Drew, actually nursing him from time to time. I think it's super common for parents to to fall asleep. You know, one hundred percent is absolutely. You are in such a vulnerable position, mm-hmm. and over tired and over, you know, stressed and worked mm-hmm. and all the things. And so, um, that because
0: remember you have a two-year-old.
2: Absolutely. So
0: you are beyond, beyond tired with a newborn and then you're caring for a two-year-old at home. Yeah. I mean, like I, I am just, I'm doing this right now. I have a almost three-year-old at home and a, um, seven month old. And those, those, early, early months are still so fresh for me. Like I, I get, I get that part a hundred percent Yeah. and everybody has fallen asleep with their kid. Absolutely. Everybody.
2: Yeah. So we, you know, um, it, it truly what kind of to sum up the paragraph that you read, yeah. I really did. I just sort of felt like this kind of mom zombie that was just wandering around. I, the, our doctor told us in the ER that morning, he looked at me like right in the eye, he got down at eye level and just said, just, just remember you still have Hayden. You have to be his mom. And, um, I Do you think, think that was helpful to hear at that time or was that kind of harsh? No, I needed to hear okay. it. I mean, I'm definitely not the type of person that like wants to go climb in a hole and never come out. Yeah. It's just not, in me to do that. But at the same time, I needed someone to be very direct with me and just say, here's the deal. This is your reality. (laughs) You know, you do still have a a little guy that you need to be his mom for. And so, um, and, and my husband needed to hear that too, Mm -hmm. because I was experiencing trauma and loss, but he was also experiencing an immense amount of guilt on top Mm -hmm. of all of that. And so, um, people that were the most impactful were the ones who did not beat around the bush. Okay. So in leading into that, we actually met with a, um, I would call him kind of like a mentor slash life coach. Okay. And we would do three-way calls because he lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He was someone that I had previously met through my business and, um, was just extremely inspired by, his work. And so the day that this happened, he had called and just said, whatever I can do to help you guys, I will do it. And so he met with us for a full year and just really kind of coached us through. We were the first people he had ever coached through anything like this, but it was like, as soon as we would get on the call and when, whatever he would start talking about, we were like, oh my gosh, that's like exactly what we've been thinking or Mm -hmm. what we needed to hear in this moment. But I bring this up because the very first time we talked and I knew his name is Keith and I knew Keith really well, but Dan didn't know him super well. And he started asking Dan questions and, you know, did you intend to fall asleep with Drew that night? No. Did you intend to suffocate your son? No. Okay. Do you believe hundreds of thousands of people fall asleep with their children every single day, every single night? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I want you to, and then he said, you know, I want you to think of all the ways that you could, if you were going to have to lose a child, like it was going to have to happen. I want you to think of all the ways and, and I'm not going to list them all out here, but he just started listing out all these different ways. And he said to Dan, you know, how many of those parents knowing you were going to have to lose a child would have done anything at that moment to be cuddling them, holding them, keeping them really tight how many of them would exchange that for what you had? Wow. Yeah. And it was like this huge aha moment, kind of smack you in the face in a really good way moment for him. And not to say that he didn't still really deal with guilty feelings and that he still probably, I mean, no, he does from time to time, but it's just that that was a huge perspective shift for him to really soak in, Mm -hmm. okay, okay. I can, you know, I can move forward. Was there any hesitation about,
0: um, going public with how he passed? Was there any, um, you know, cause you didn't want people to look at him differently, maybe?
2: I mean, yeah. is that, so I, we live in Geneseo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's, I mean, there's really no way that we could have avoided that. Sure. Um, even if we didn't live in Geneseo. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I love our town and I grew yeah. up in Geneseo and it's an amazing place. But when you live in a small town, it doesn't take very long for things, you know, word to get out. Right. And so I think instead of trying to hide it or try to keep it quiet, we just decided to be open about it because I just feel like in life, the more I try to like keep secrets or hide mm-hmm. things, I just it's just not who I am. And, you know, Dan is a lot more quiet than I am. And so I know it's a little bit more out of his comfort zone to, um, you know, get up and share his story, but he's willing to do it because he knows that by him sharing his story, it will help and impact other parents. Mm -hmm. So um,
0: I'm trying to decide if we should stay on this or if we should move on to um, to your next babies. Um, I guess before, before we move on, it's been nine years. So how, how did your marriage grow
2: after Drew's death? So that was one thing that Keith was very much, um, a part of as well. He actually had experienced divorce himself. And so he was really good at coaching us through the things to do above and beyond what a normal marriage would be doing as far as communicating and things like that. And just like, you know, if you're checking in with your spouse, if you're, if you did not experience loss, you know, you're probably going to be checking in with your spouse X amount of times throughout your week or whatever. Um, but you guys need to like double that, like really keep the doors open of communication. And we talked a lot about, um, you know, on my good days, Dan, you know, wouldn't want to, come to me if he was feeling really down. Cause he could tell that I was having a great day and then vice versa. If I, I was see. having a really rough day, I, I could tell he was actually like doing pretty good. I really didn't want to tell him. And, um, Keith just said, you know, listen, if Devin, if, if you knew he was having a bad day, wouldn't you want to know? And I was like, absolutely. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well he feels the same, you know, he wants to know. And, and he, Dan agreed. So, you know, we kept the communication open as much as we could. um, And just, I think we really allowed ourselves to grieve how we needed to. And it was a little bit different. Nothing crazy. But again, I'm just a way more open, chatty Mm -hmm. person here. You know, I'm on this podcast, like talking about it. Whereas, you know, Dan is just more, um, keeps to himself with like his thoughts and feelings and stuff like that.
0: So, and cause it's important to note now that in your grief, it was only eight weeks later that you found out that you were expecting not just one baby, but two. Yes. So you are in the middle of grieving still. This, this, this trauma is still so fresh and yet you have this unbelievable joyful news. How did you handle the two things together?
2: Yeah. So it was really, really interesting. And I will tell you, so in between when we lost Drew and when we found out we were having twins, our friends had come to us that, um, we had helped put this 5k race on the five, the faithful feet. And they came to us and said, Hey, you know, it's okay if you don't, but would you be okay if we rename this and call it Drew's faithful feet and have it in Drew's memory? And we were just like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Like that sounds amazing. Even though Dan and I are not runners, you know, I've kind of already said that, but, Um, It's not necessarily a platform that we would have picked, but it landed in our lap and if it hadn't been for those friends, we, we would have probably done something, but it wouldn't have been this. And so I just have always looked at it as such a gift. Um, So here, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, next year we're going to have Drew's Faithful Feed and you know, every single day when you, when you're experiencing that type of grief, every single day is so different. And you just don't know, like, you know, you go to bed that night thinking like, oh gosh, what's tomorrow going to be like? Is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a rough day? And, but the one thing we knew is that we did want to have more kids. And so, um, we didn't know when it was the right time. We felt like we just wanted to hold a baby yeah and actually i recently spoke with a friend who lost a baby earlier this summer and she's feeling that right now you know i just want to hold a baby almost like that craving like so deep that um and so we go to the ultrasound and the technician started asking me a bunch of questions and and i didn't disclose anything about drew in that appointment just because normally it's an ultrasound you don't really I don't know. You don't really answer a ton mm-hmm. of questions. Well, she was asking a bunch of questions and I w- I wouldn't say I was necessarily annoyed, but I was just kind of like, why is she asking me? Now I have to tell like talk about mm-hmm. this and um so she had asked, you know, how many pregnancies I had had and when was our last baby and we're just kind of looking at each other like, why is she asking these questions? And then she's like, "Well, actually there's two babies." And we were just like Oh my word. (laughs) You know, this, we, I think that was like the first time we really could feel some sort of joy, you know, just this, Oh my gosh, what is going on here? You know, we've just experienced the most unimaginable thing. And here now we're experiencing, you know, twins that we had never talked about the idea of even having twins. Right? Yeah. So, um,
0: the pregnancy went on as normal or were there any complications
2: after that? Yeah. So it was, um, really normal in January. They had me coming in for some extra ultrasounds just, um, just to double check on a few things that were happening, but nothing that was like, you know, extreme or anything like that. They definitely, we did a lot more, um, stress tests Mm -hmm. than normal. And I think my doctor was just taking the extra Precautions because of what we had been through. And sure.
0: And it was early. I mean, your body, you know, still hadn't recovered in so many ways.
2: Yes. Yes. And they do say, you know, when you experience loss, like it can take your body a long time to just adjust and mm-hmm. to kind of re, um, you know, balance itself. And so, anyway. I was going in for these ultrasounds, things started looking great. So then we went back to just the normal routine ultrasound, um, the monthly ones. And when you're pregnant with twins, 36 weeks is about full term. Okay. And so I, I had gone in for my 36 week ultrasound the day after Easter and didn't think much about it. And actually that year, so this would have been like the first year for the first Drew's Faithful Feet. Okay. And that year it was in May. So this would have been April 25th of 2011 and the race was coming up in just a few weeks. Okay. So I'm talking to the technician about the race and all the things that were taking place and um, all the registrations and I could just see she just was staring at the screen and not really responding back and just you know we all have friends who have shared their stories with ultrasound you know situations where it's just not what you're hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so I knew something was not right. And then when she said she needed to call the doctor, um, I just knew, you know, it's that mother's intuition. Mm-hmm. And so, um, our doctor came in and I was by myself cause I didn't plan on this, right. you know, we, I just was like, yeah, I've it got all it. Felt so routine by this yeah. point. And so, um, sure enough, our doctor came in and did confirm that one of the baby's heart had stopped. So we knew we were having a boy and we knew we were having a girl and I knew that I had, I knew where they were in my belly cause you get pretty, you know, they don't really f- change positions too much. And so, um, I knew that baby A was my daughter and she was down lower and then baby B was our son and that he was over on top and to the side and I specifically remember him moving the night before, like pushed so hard that I like moved off our couch. I was kind of like leaning on the couch and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's so like, that was like a huge (laughs) kick. Yeah. And so, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I was caught off guard so much, but, um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, I, They asked me if I wanted to have a natural birth or if I wanted a C-section. And just at that point, I was, I just really wanted to get my daughter out. And so I ended up opting for the C-section and, um, you know, just remember thinking about hearing other people talk about their C-section stories Mm and, you know, it seems so routine and so like happens every day. And then all of a sudden when it's you, it's like, oh man, you know, this is, it's me now. And so um, I remember them rolling us by one of the rooms. And by that point, um, some of our friends and family and our priest from Geneseo came to the hospital and they were holding yeah. like a little prayer v- um, vigil for us. And I just felt, uh, you know, as much peace as you could possibly feel going into that. And, um, you know, when Drew passed away, I remember thinking like, why not me? Because there were so many people who were pregnant at the time. So many people, <laughs> you know, you go through those phases yes. of your life and it's just like everybody around you, yes. uh, around you is pregnant. And after that happened, I just, I couldn't think why me? Because I felt like we were so much of a statistic that if it wouldn't have been us, it would have been one of those other people. And I just, I don't know. I was like, I wouldn't want them to have to deal with that. And so that's an incredibly selfless
0: point of view. I mean, that's, that's taking on this heartbreak so that someone else doesn't have to feel it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's just kind of where I went with it. And then when Owen um, passed, so our our little guy, we named him Owen Mm -hmm. and our daughters Reese. And so when Owen passed away, I definitely experienced some anger because I just, I was mad that I had to go through it all again. And in you know, less than a year. Yeah. Less so than a year. Just our neighbor is the funeral director and just like knowing that I was going to have to call him again and just go through all of these things that, um, you know, I had just gone through and just really worked really hard for a, a solid you know 11 months or 10 months however long it was to to really work through right and um you know i think one of the things that people struggle with the most when someone experiences loss is like what do i say or mm-hmm. what do i do yes and we can talk more about this but the one thing that i will say is that really bothered me that people would say to me is well at least you have this beautiful baby girl mm. And she's healthy. And I'm like, well, at least like I'm supposed to be having two babies, right. <laughs> you know, twins. Yes. And not just at least you have this little girl. Like I still lost my son. And right. And I know that those things are not said to cause any harm or no. heartache or anything like that. But I do think that it's important to let people know, you know, what to kind of think about before you say things yeah. like that, because. What might kind of seem like as an encouraging comment, Mm -hmm. oftentimes just doesn't feel like that.
0: See, and that's what I kind of thought when you said um, what the the doctor's comment was of the, well, you still have to be Hayden's mom, you know, that almost, that almost um, to someone who has not experienced it almost feels the same way. Like, Hey, you know, get back in the saddle. You're, you're his mom, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's hard because everyone in your life wants to be supportive. And the last thing anyone wants to do is add to the hurt.
2: Absolutely. You know? So, um, recently a a friend reached out to me regarding a loss and said, you know, what do I say? What do I do? And I, I just shared, you know, and this is a conversation that I've had with some other moms here locally that, you know, we kind of basically came to the point that some, like the best thing that you can say to someone is just, there are no words because there aren't, you know, there are, there is nothing that you can say that's going to make that person feel better. And, um, you know, just being there for them, letting them know how much you love them, how much you care about them, just little acts of kindness without ever expecting any text back. Like people would text me and I would not text them back just, and, you know, I was always hoping that they knew that I, I really loved their support, but Mm -hmm. that I just didn't have anything in me to respond. Right. So I, um, you know, I, I think that's one becoming more of my mission is to kind of help people know that I know we all, even I do, you know, when I see someone else hurting or in pain, like I want to do something for them, but ultimately there's nothing that's ever going to replace that baby. No gift, Mm -hmm. no memorabilia, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing that you can do is to just truly just be there. Yeah.
0: I had a friend lose her nephew uh, last year now, and I was even scared to text her Mm -hmm. because I was afraid that maybe she was having a good day that day. And if I said something, then she would remember this thing that she's sad about you know? Yeah. And so sometimes I find that if I don't know what to do in a situation, I don't do anything at all. And then that's not being a good friend either.
2: Yeah. I'm right you there know? with you. For sure. Um, I'm definitely guilty of overanalyzing or yeah. just want, and I cause I so badly don't want to say the right thing, but you know, in a situation like that, just to say, Hey friend, thinking of you today, mm-hmm. I hope you're having a great day or Hey friend, I love you. Or, um, you know, just Mm -hmm. those words, like we could all all use texts like that, regardless of what we're going through.
0: So I guess, how did you get through those next three months with Reese and grieving Owen, and you're still grieving Drew. It's not like
2: that part's over yet. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've really actually realized in the last year how much I still am grieving. You know, I think that you get to this place of it's because time goes on and you want so badly to not feel that deep pain. Mm-hmm. And so I remember having this conversation actually this year on Drew's birthday. I was coming home from a trip in Nashville with my high school girlfriends and on Drew's birthday, um, I end up finding out that my youngest was in the emergency room. He had an accident, needed stitches. Thankfully it was nothing major, but you know, it was just a heavy day. And I was hoping that it wouldn't feel heavy, but that it just did, especially after I found out about him being in the ER. And I I was telling my friend, I just said, you know, it's, it's this weird balance between you want so badly for like the pain to lighten. But then when it starts, like the, the time gets further and further away, you almost like feel, you feel further from them a a little bit. I think, I mean, I, I, they are so much a part of our lives. My kids talk about Drew and Owen, my daughter specifically, um, she just truly feels like Owen is her guardian angel and that he is the, some of the things that she has said about him. I just, it just warms your heart. Yeah. Um, well they've met before. Absolutely. (laughs) And she, she actually had a, a story that, and I'll share it on here because hopefully it'll make someone chuckle, but she said to her first grade teacher a couple years ago, she said, you know, when, or when Owen and I were in my mom's tummy and he was sleeping, I was like, wake up, wake up, come on, wake up. And so she was like trying to find some sort of like silliness about it, you know, like her way of saying like, I was trying to get him to wake up, but he wouldn't wake up. And her poor teacher, I think just, you know, walked away just with tears running down. Like, oh my yes. gosh, you know, and, and I said, that's just like her, her little mind's way of connecting with her brother, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, it's very sisterly. And yes, it's exactly. very sisterly. It's <laughs> very she, sweet. Yes. So, um, so Yeah.
0: Tell me, um, let's go on to Drew's Faithful Feet because, so this is now, will this be the eighth year of the race
2: this under the name of Drew's? So it's funny, I am so bad with numbers. Okay. Kind of going back to the the whole <laughs> beginning where we were talking about ages. Yeah. Um, I thought it was the ninth year. Okay. Our friend was like, no, it's the 10th year. Um. So we, you know, you had to get out your fingers and start counting. It's the ninth year for Drew's Faithful Feet, the 10th year for the Faithful Feet.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, you initially had a goal of about 400 runners this year. You've already surpassed that. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. That's phenomenal. Um, so actually, so you're going to hear this on Thursday, Um but the race is on Saturday, so three days later, and there's still time to sign up for it, yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what I think we'll do is we'll post some of that information in the, um, in the show notes. Perfect. So if you're listening to this, you can, um, you can just go onto your podcast app, and under the, the description will be some links for you to follow. Um, so it is a, um, a 5K, but then there's also some other little races for families. Tell me about those. Yes.
2: Yes. So um, for registration, you can actually register through Thursday night online. Otherwise, um, you can come for late registration on Friday night or Saturday morning. Okay. So yes, find the details in the show notes. So um, the the 5K starts at 9 a.m. And then we do a little kids dash where it's just like a little hundred meter dash. So fun. Just kind of a little free for all for the little ones. And then we do a half mile run for 12 and under. And this is all a fundraiser. Yes. Tell me what the money goes towards. So the money goes towards an organization called Mamie's Poppy Plates, and it's in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, Mamie's Poppy Plates is an organization that makes plates for parents who have experienced early infant loss. And um, kind of the ironic thing about how we came across Mamie's Poppy Plates is that My best friend lived in just outside of Little Rock. And actually after we experienced our losses, she um, lost a baby at 37 weeks. And so she received a plate and um, it was so meaningful to her because she didn't have anything, any mementos, anything tangible of her baby, Emma. And so, I mean, she still protects this plate like it, it is gold. And so, well, tell
0: um, me what's on the plates. Oh,
2: yeah, that's a good thing to um, share. So the plates have the baby's name. Um, their handprints and footprints. Um, it can have like their weight and then um, they' they're just so beautifully decorated. Mm-hmm. They're a pottery plate that an artist actually goes in and does all the artwork along with volunteers that come in one one night a month down in Little Rock to make these plates. Okay mm-hmm. so. Um, Throughout the past couple of weeks
0: leading up to the race, on Instagram, you've been sharing some of the stories of the families who received some of the plates, and something that stood out to me was that a couple people had commented, you know, when I saw who had sponsored this plate, it was from Drew's Faithful Feet, and it was close to me. It was from the Quad City area, and so many people were surprised that there was this support so close to them. Was there anything, any support for you guys when you were going through your losses? I mean, you had your, your coach on the phone, but, but what about, you know, someone who could come to your house or a place you could go?
2: Yeah, there are a few other organizations. There is something called SHARE, and that is for people who have experienced um, miscarriage, infant loss, um, and at the hospital, they actually gave us ornaments, with um, Owen's footprints. So I think we got like a set of six ornaments, which was really cool because we were able to give one to each of our parents. But with Drew, we didn't have anything because, you know, he didn't pass away at the hospital. Okay. So there are other organizations within the Quad Cities, but this just happens to be something that is, it's just this, such a beautiful thing that you want to display it and that has provided a lot of meaning for these parents.
0: How does it make you feel when you read some of those stories?
2: Yeah, it definitely inspires me to keep going um, because this is, you know, year number nine. And um, it, my husband and I often have the question, like, are we are we ready to be done with it? Should we keep going? Um, to be 100% transparent, we sat around the table in at the end of July and we hadn't actually committed to having the race yet. Okay. And we sat with our kids and we just said, okay, you guys, like, are we going to do it? And of course they were like, yeah, yeah, we want to do it. We want to do it. And we're like, okay, well, it's a ton of work. So we need your help Mm -hmm. and we will do it. But, um, a lot of the reason why we said yes this year was specifically because of these families. Okay. There were a few families who had reached out to me that had in the last six months lost a baby. And one of them that week had said, Hey, when's the race this year? And I thought, how can I not have this race, you know? And so sure enough, those parents were available so that they were able to have a team on on September 7th, the day of the race. Our chip timer was available, which is kind of uncommon to get a chip timer that close to the race date. And everything just started falling into place. The only advertising I've done is on social media, where in years past, you know, signs up, newspaper, TV, all of those things. And this year we kept it super simple and it's just, I think so many people coming out to support all of these other families has been so impactful. So why did you say that you guys might, might
0: discontinue? What, I mean, just the kids getting older and life getting
2: busier and. Yeah, I think that, um, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to describe, but it's like just every year I get the best feeling as soon as we leave, like we pull out of the church parking lot, everything's packed up. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we'd, we've we done this. Yeah. But then, you know, it's about nine months that passes between really when we do, we don't really do a lot with it throughout the year. And so you know, there's with anything, whether it's working out, whether it's food choices, you know, you kind of slow down and then like getting back on the horse just seems like, oh gosh, this is a lot. And of course we still want to honor Drew and Owen and we want to be able to help these other families. But, um, you know, I think it's just like anything else. You just kind of wonder like, is it time to just, sure. Yeah. So, but for now, we're doing it. (laughs) All right.
0: And so for now we need to keep getting those registration numbers up ahead of Saturday. Um, let's, let's go back to, um, to the mission of Drew's Faithful Feet. You had three words on your website, inspire, support, educate. So, um, tell me about the educate portion of things. We've heard about the inspiring and we've heard about the support. So tell me, tell me about that third mission.
2: Yeah. So the educate part, which really hasn't come out a ton, through social media if you've followed us at all you I haven't really talked a ton about the educate piece but it really is just educating people on safe sleep solutions and um, things that you can do to keep yourself awake while you're nursing or feeding in the middle of the night whether it's you know watching late night TV it's maybe um scrolling social media mm-hmm. you know there's always that <laughs> that's always available yeah. um grabbing something to munch on just turning your lights on definitely get getting up out of your bed and going somewhere else. Um, you know, I think that because we're so sleep deprived, we want to be able to fall asleep as soon as the baby does, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's that kind of hesitation of like, do I really want to get out of my bed? But yes, like get out, get out of your bed if you need to. And, um, it's so worth doing. And I, I you know, we didn't even really get into the, to- the topic of the fact that, um, through all of this, because of, um, Drew passing away in our home, my husband and I were both investigated through DCFS and oh that gosh. added a whole nother layer to the heartache and the pain. And just this, you feel like, even though it was a, a, like, a um, an accident and that, you know, the police said it was an accident and all of that, you still have this thing looming over you. And it's just to close your eyes for those, you know, few minutes, it's so worth just and obviously having your baby, right. you know? Right. Um, but it, I, I think that so often we don't realize like really truly what could happen. Mm-hmm. So
0: you're, um, your story is very inspiring. Even though it's very it's it's I it's hard for me to sit across from you cuz I I it's like I want to just wrap my arms around you. And <laughs> so we will across the table, but um but you're brave to share it and um and I find that you're very selfless for putting yourself out there year after year after year cuz at the end of the day you're reliving and reopening that wounds. So, um, so I know that you've touched so many families in doing, um, Drew's Faithful Feet and by sharing your little boy's stories, they'll never be forgotten. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add that I'm not asking? That's an old TV trick that we always say, because somebody always has something else they want to say, and I wouldn't know to ask it.
2: Well, I love that question. (laughs) I don't always feel like I'm the best at asking questions, but I love good (laughs) questions. So that's a great question. Um, as of right now, there's nothing that I'm thinking of that really needs to be shared other than just, um, you know, and this is kind of coming back to the, the inspire piece of our mission is just that we are all going to experience something in our life. We, We are. And, um, and I just, I hope that people can look at our story. And even if you experience something that's different from our story, that we, you can just be inspired to keep moving on and mm-hmm. to keep living your life and to know that the, um, even though it's hard to sometimes find the reason or understand the why behind some things happening, to know that there's always a gift there's always a gift, even in the most heart aching situations. And so finding the gift and just believing and trusting that, um, you know, something beautiful is, is happening is probably one of the best things that you can do for yourself. What was the gift? That's another great question. (laughs) So our gift, gosh, we've had so many, I mean, I look at the gift that we, um, really ultimately are able to share with, these other families who are experiencing loss now, um, people coming to their faith, people who really had walked away from their faith and were inspired by not even necessarily Dan and I, cause it was so fresh and so raw, but just, they felt like they needed to pray and they needed to really step back into their faith. And, um, to me, that's a gift. Um, I look at Reese, you know, as a huge piece of this. I just said this to someone else the other day that um, it's kind of weird how sometimes your mind starts thinking of things, but had we not lost Drew, the likelihood that I would have gotten pregnant with twins probably is pretty slim. And then sometimes I think that Owen's purpose was to give Reese life. So,
0: I think those are all gifts.
2: Yeah. Um, Okay, so I don't want
0: to end on a sad note. So we are going to end on your mom win for the week. Okay, so did you think about what when you took it to a mother level this week?
2: I I (laughs) did, and it's so funny because I was just sitting here thinking, like, I haven't really talked much about Connor, even though this isn't about Connor. Um, You know, my mom win is totally about Connor today. So Connor is my youngest, Mm -hmm. and... School started a few weeks ago for my, uh, for us, and every day he'd get in the car and he'd be like, "Mom, mom, mom, can I have Jason Drew over? Can I have Jason Drew over for a sleepover?" Well, Jason Drew are his two very best friends. They're brothers and they're one year apart, so they kind of come as a package deal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so I was like, "Yes," and he would say, "Well, did you ask their mom yet? Did you ask their mom yet?" And I'm like, "Okay, no, no, I didn't ask their mom yet." So. My win and my fail is kind of wrapped into one. Okay. So the fail is that every day he would get in the car and say, did you ask their mom yet? Did you ask their mom? And then I finally was like, yes, I asked their mom. And then he went right into, well, can you ask Papa Gary if he'll take us to the bowling alley? And I'm like, okay, so you want me to ask your grandpa if he will take three little boys, <laughs> five, six, and seven to the bowling alley on a Friday oh, night, which, like mind you, is connected to happy joes you know with the games and all yeah and so um anyway i kept avoiding asking my dad and every day he would get in the car and be so frustrated with me that i hadn't asked and i should have just asked right away both times i just like kept avoiding it not not really for any reason probably because i knew i was gonna have to go you know i wasn't Mm -hmm. just gonna send my dad off on that mission (laughs) so leading into to my win my win was i uh took these three boys to the bowling alley. Yeah. Happy Joe's. They had a sleepover. It's the week before the race. And oh, so, you know, you have, so you have nothing else to do. Right. And I wouldn't have thought that it was much of a win, but a friend who found out about it was like, that sounds more like a birthday party to me. And I was like, I don't know. I I I don't yeah." mind doing it it's not that big of a deal it is kind of a lot of work to have three little boys spend the night and you know take them here take them mm-hmm. there whatever but who cares right so
0: I think it's awesome yeah I bet you they're gonna remember that for a long time
2: yes and the little one Drew he just kept his name is Drew mm-hmm. and he kept saying this is the best night ever this is oh. the best night and I just was you know of yeah. course it melts your heart so. oh that's awesome yeah.
0: that's awesome All right, Devin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You
2: are so welcome. Thank
0: you all for listening. Please subscribe, share with a friend, let us know that On a Mother Level is here, and thank you so much for listening.
2: Thanks for listening to On a Mother Level
0: from the Tribune Audio Network.
1: Tribune Audio Network.